I'm not sure what passage to have you turn to because we're going to have, I'm going to have you turn to so many and like each week when we post the sermon online on our website, the sermon notes are there if you always want to look there. I'm going to be looking especially at some of the passages from Matthew chapter 6 and 7 when Jesus teaches on prayer. In Luke chapter 11 and Luke chapter 18, as he teaches on prayer, I do want to talk to you, preach to you this morning on the subject that is, is so foundational to being a Christian. It is so necessary to any Christian or spiritual life. It is as important as breathing is to physical living. The subject that I'm going to talk to you is is that important to your life. It is a sign of spiritual life and it is the means or way of growing in that spiritual life. And what I'm going to talk to you this morning is one of the greatest treasured, should be treasured gifts that God gives to a Christian, to every Christian, young and old, mature and immature. This treasure that I'm talking about is so priceless, and yet it is far too little appreciated, and it's far too little practiced and used and experienced. I'm talking about Prayer. Prayer is talking to God. Prayer is in the old, old definition, and Lee next week is going to preach on prayer from a different angle, and he's going to give a similar definition. Prayer is the offering up of our desires to God in the name of Christ. By God's help, the Spirit's help, as we confess our sins and thankful acknowledgement of His mercies. I want to ask you this morning, do you pray? Do you really talk to God? Scott just did. He did it on behalf of the church. Were you praying? Do you pray, at not just at meals, but at meals, but in your car on your way to work, at work, before bed, with your kids, in bed, with your spouse or roommate? Do you pray at a set disciplined time? As one would set aside time to work out or eat or sleep, do you truly cry out to God because you know He's real and He is the rewarder of those who diligently seek Him, and He cares to hear from you? Do you truly seek Him through prayers because you know that it is one of the most fundamental ways in which you receive His help, His guidance, His strength, His encouragement, and His blessing, and you know to the depths of your soul, there is no way I want to live one more hour without all of those resources that I absolutely need. I need Him. Do you pray because you believe that He actually hears you? He actually answers 
and he answers according to what is best for us. And so when he doesn't give us what we ask for, it's only because he's giving something better or preparing something better. Today we began a series on prayer. I want to call you to pray today. Then over the next weeks, we will meander through June into July with each of our elders preaching on a different aspect of this glorious, this necessary, this foundational gift, prayer. I pray, oh I pray, I pray for my children this way, and you're in here this morning. I pray for this congregation, I pray for our leaders and their wives, I pray for every member, every visitor, everyone coming in here, I pray that you will learn to truly pray. Not just go through the motions, not just check off a box. You would learn to have a real deep, what we call prayer life, or an experiential, ongoing relationship with God that prayer becomes so necessary to you. I pray that you will learn better, even though you say, I already know how to pray. You'll pray in truly talking with your Father in Jesus' name, and it's not a cliche, it comes with so much more meaning and delight and joy and understanding, being helped by the Holy Spirit, not just in your own strength. Even if you have a really hard time talking with anybody else in this world, I pray that you'll learn to talk with God, and that will be enough. You see, you were made to pray. I realize there are some here this morning that may not be in Christ Jesus, a Christian yet. They're not saved. And oh, I invite you to something, to a life in a world, a Christ in a relationship of prayer. I think my dad, Harold Patz, who I get to see this afternoon, Lord willing, or this evening, so we drive over the UP and go to my parents' house this evening. I think my dad, Harold, taught me to pray. He prayed with me at night. He had me pray with him. I saw him praying, and I always saw signs of him praying. His Bible and his daytimer laid out on the table with prayer requests, and my name always on there. He was regular, he was disciplined, he was organized, he was persistent, he was thoughtful, and he was sincere and praying. I knew my dad. He was the real deal. He is the real deal. My dad wasn't a pastor. He was just, he was a businessman. My mom taught me to pray in one way because I know she always prayed for me and didn't stop telling me and continued to pray for me. And even to this day, this morning, I got texts from her, I'm praying for you, Daniel. That's very normal. Prayed for you twice today, Daniel. How encouraging. Regarding my dad, I have worked with him when I was at Northland for a couple years. I actually was his boss. That was weird. Um, he was great to work with. We would go through problems and he would say, stop. And he'd say, hey, let's stop and let's pray right now. Thanks, dad. Sometimes we got on our knees. The problem seemed so big. Okay, 
My, my, my subject, my, my sermon this morning is just simply this. It is a charge from pastor to you. Give yourself to prayer. Give yourself, give your life to prayer. I'm, I'm calling you to sacrifice something worth sacrificing. I'm calling you to surrender. I'm calling you to get rid of other things if you have to, to give yourself to something so precious called prayer. And so what do I mean by give yourself to prayer? And why should you give yourself to prayer? And how should you give yourself to prayer? The three questions related to this. What do I mean by give yourself to prayer? Okay, prayer. Prayer is multifaceted. It is talking to God the Father, and you pray to Jesus. Jay Caldwell, at the end of June, is going to preach a sermon on prayer and the Trinity. You say, that sounds really theological. It is, and it's practical and really helpful. How does the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit work to help us to pray? Pray, prayer is talking to God by seeking Him, by talking to Him, praising Him and thanking Him. We do that in some of our songs. I love you, Lord, and I lift up my voice. It is through confessing our sins. Oh, Father, I have sinned against you. For Jesus' sake, please forgive me. It is casting all our burdens. I must tell Jesus, I cannot bear my burdens alone. He wants us to cast all our anxieties and all our burdens upon him and say, help me, help me, I'm poor and needy. It includes lamenting. We've been going through the Psalms. It means crying out to God and moaning sometimes and saying, God, this is going on, this is going on. God, how long? What's going on? Please show me. This seems overwhelming. I am discouraged. I am overwhelmed. I am hurting. I am depressed. Help me. It includes lamenting. It includes, Mike's going to preach on this in July, interceding, a ministry of intercession. Oh God, I need to pray for other people and hold them up. And God, you're going to use my praying for them in a way that if I didn't pray for them, they wouldn't be helped in the same way. When you pray for Pastor Daniel or Pastor Jay or Pastor Mike or Pastor Lee, who's going to preach next week, you are helping us through your intercession. That's, that's a type of prayer. Or offering up our petitions like Scott did as he prayed and he offered up petitions. He prayed... He prayed for daily bread, and he prayed for sustenance. He prayed for the care of the church. We come with great petitions. Give yourself to prayer. Prayer and give yourself to it. Make it a priority. Devote yourself. Acts 1, 14 is the beginning of the church. And what do we read in Acts 1, 14? All of these Brothers and sisters were the disciples, the early disciples. They were devoting themselves to prayer, it says, together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. It says in Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the teaching and to fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayers. Acts 6.4 The early apostles said, we need to appoint some deacons. Why? Because we must devote ourselves to the ministry of the word and to prayer. 
And when Paul writes to the Colossian church in Colossians 4.2, he says to them, Oh, would you be constant in prayer? New Living Translation, devote yourself to prayer. I call you to, to devote yourself to praying at home, praying with your family, praying by yourself, praying in the car, praying as you go to work, learning to pray, learning to read good books about prayer, learning the Word of God and learning to pray the Word of God. Jason Moles in I believe it's going to be in July is going to preach on prayer and how we use the Word of God to help feed and learn to grow in our praying. So give yourself to prayer. Give yourself. When you give yourself to a spouse in marriage, you're saying, I'm becoming one with you. I, 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 I surrender my rights, and I now belong to you, and I'm yours. I'm asking you to give up yourself to this practice of prayer. Number two, why should we give ourselves to prayer? Why should you give yourself to prayer? I could, I could go on and give you many reasons, and one good answer to the answer to the question of why you should give yourself to prayer is that Jesus tells us to, Paul told us to devote yourself to prayer. Jesus said, ask, seek, and knock. He says that in Matthew chapter 7. He says that in Luke chapter 11. He tells us to pray and to seek Him and to not lose heart in seeking Him. I want to give you a few reasons, a few general reasons though. Number one is You should give yourself to prayer because of who God is. Think about this. The God who you go to pray to is infinitely, that's a word we don't always use. That means without measure, you you, you can't calculate it. It is measureless. He is infinitely good. And he is an all-sufficient father. Who wouldn't go to an infinitely good, all-sufficient father? That You want a neat reason to pray? Is that you have at your access the maker of the ends of the earth. All that you see that is beautiful and glorious. All power and might and majesty in all of the universe, in all of human affairs, when you see something that says, that looks great, that looks powerful, that looks majestic, whether it be the coronation of King Charles, whether it be something at a sporting event or a rock concert or something that the world deems majestic or impressive, is but a little grain compared to the beaches of God's holiness, glory, and majesty. It is but a shadow or a sunbeam, and God is the sun of all of the glory and majesty of the world. And He says, come to me. Call to me. I am the infinite one who listens and meets all needs. I just was pondering and praising God this morning as I was reflecting on this. I get to pray this morning to God, and so did you, 
and I didn't have to wait in line. I never have to wait in line for God to hear all of my petitions. He is always accessible, always ready. He could do it. He can hear me when I'm driving, when I'm laying in bed. He can he could do it when I'm wreathing in pain in a hospital. He could do it no matter where you are. He hears and he is accessible and he is an all-sufficient father. Our hearts were made to pray. St. Augustine said it this way at the very beginning of the confessions, which was a prayer to God. And he said, oh God, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. And I'll tell you what, you will not find it unless you learn to truly pray and to call upon Him. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all a conspiracy for your good by His grace and mercy. All because, not because you earned it or merited it. He is the fountainhead of all that's good in life. If you want anything that's worth having, it will come ultimately from Him. He is greater than the sun that brings us heat and light in which we, we control. We, so much of our world is sustained by that. He is the source of all. And this all-sufficient Father who's infinitely good, bids us, tells us to pray. Jesus said, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who's in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So, would you pray because you have a Father, if you're a Christian, who says, seek me, and I'll reward you. I'll make it worth it. Seek me, though. Lee's going to talk about some of the wrong ways of seeking him next week. Matthew 7 says, Which one of you has a son, if he asks for bread, you'd give him something bad like a stone. You can't eat stones. And ask for a fish, you'd give him a poisonous serpent. If, if you're evil, you're a sinner, you really are, and you give good gifts to your children, how much more is your heavenly Father will give good gifts to those who ask Him? David said, as a deer pants for the water, so my soul pants after you. And how does our panting get expressed as we come to God in prayer? Our world needs to see young and old, teenagers, young people, and old seniors that are real Christians that have truly walked with God through this word and learned to really pray, and they pant after God, and they seek Him with all their heart. The psalmist David says, Oh God, you're my God. Earnestly, I seek you. I mean, how do you seek God without prayer? You don't. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh, it faints for you as like a dry and weary land where there is no water. The psalmist says in 65 2, O you who hear prayer, to you all flesh come. And I don't think one of my prayer sermons would be complete if I didn't quote John Newton, which you've heard me say this before. Thou art coming to a king. Large petitions 
or requests, with ye bring, for His grace and power are such, none can ever ask too much. So, why pray? God. Look up to God. Turn away from self and look to the magnificent, infinite, loving Father. Okay, why else pray? Not just because of who God is, but because of who you are. And who are you? Who who am I? Well, a desperate, dependent image bearer and member of Christ's body. If I'm a Christian, I'm a member of God's body. I have a duty. But I'm also desperate and I'm dependent and I'm an image bearer of God. So I better pray. If I'm going to be an image bearer that I need to be, if I'm going to be a member of Christ's body like I need to be, I dare not go it alone. You and I need God at all times. As a body needs breath to live, so the Christian needs prayer. That is how you became a Christian. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And when you hear the word of Christ, you respond by calling out to him, Oh God, save me and help me. I turn to you. The very act of life that God puts in us as we come to him in salvation is a prayer and our rest of our lives is an act of prayer to God. You need, I need God every day, every moment. How dare us think that today, on June 11th, we could actually get by this day apart from His sustaining every moment by moment grace. Do you feel your need of Him? Oh, you do. It doesn't matter whether you think you need Him, whether you feel like you need Him. You absolutely do. You and I, day after day, presume on His ongoing, every moment by moment, care for us. You know, we don't glory, we, we dishonor Him and we do not enjoy Him like we ought when we learn to come and give ourselves to prayer moment by moment, day by day, every day. I'll also say this, the people around you need you to pray. Your children need you to pray. Your church needs you to pray. This pastor needs you to pray. Your friends need you to pray. Your neighbors in your community, your coworkers need you to pray. If you have coworkers or neighbors who do not know Jesus Christ, it means that unless something happens, if they die, they are going to burn forever in hell. And they had a Christian on their block or in their, on their hall, or in their workplace, did that Christian offer them the good news of Jesus Christ? Was that Christian burdened to constantly pray for them? That leads us to the fact that we need to pray because we are far too often cowardly, far too often lacking wisdom, far too often lacking the strength to do what we need to do. How many times have you woken up and said, I can't do it today? And we need to cry out and say, oh, God, help me. The psalmist said in the last psalm that I preached a couple weeks ago, as for me, I am poor and needy. And that's what we say. Why do we need to pray? Because we're poor and needy. But the Lord takes thought for me, the psalmist says. 
And then it goes right into prayer. You are my help and deliver. Do not delay, oh my God. That's Psalm 40, verse 17. The psalmist, we sing this. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his trouble. I love how the Apostle Paul, maybe the greatest... Well, the greatest missionary, one of the most, other than Jesus, the most influential man in the Western world, in the world, was probably the Apostle Paul because of the letters he wrote for the church. And they have changed the world because of the Apostle Paul. Listen to the way Paul always talked. Would you pray for us, Colossians 4.13, that God would open a door for us? He's telling the church to do that. Or in Romans 15.30, I appeal to you, brothers... By our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, would you strive together with me in your prayers? Or in Ephesians 6, 18, he tells the church, you need to be praying for one another because you're in a spiritual battle all of the time and you need each other and you need to pray for each other and encourage each other and pray also for me. He can't stop but saying, but will you also include me in your prayers? He is desperate and needy. Or in Philippians 1.19 where he says, I know that through your prayers I'll get through this trial, but it will be because you prayed for me. First Thessalonians 5.25, brothers, sisters, pray for us. We should pray because God is God. We should pray because we're not and we sure need God. Can I, I want to, I added this to my notes this morning. We need to pray because we're united to Jesus and he prays for us. We sang about this this morning. We need to pray because we're united to Jesus and he prays for us. And I want to stop here and say, if you're not truly saved and in Christ, prayer is worthless. Unless you come to God in Jesus' name, and Jesus, God will mercifully hear you. But all that I'm talking about, this gift of an infinitely glorious Father who loves you, is not right now for you. He is against you. And He will bring eternal wrath against your continual rebellion of not accepting His Son And he will punish you eternally in hell. And he is not your father. And yet, I welcome you. He welcomes you through a minister, through this church to say, but you can be reconciled to him and you can be his son or daughter and he your father. But why? Because of Jesus Christ. I can pray this morning. Oh God, would you do a work in my children? Would you do a work in the church? Will you help me as I preach? Would you help me with this particular burden that is right now overwhelming me and sometimes really discouraging me? And the answer could be, who do you think you are, Daniel, to talk to a sovereign God, to ask Him for needs, to bother Him? Who do you think you are? And the answer should be, not in my own name, not in my own merit. But you said that I could because of what Jesus did for me. And so Jesus is my passport to heaven. And in Jesus' name I come and I plead mercy. And he always opens the door. 
He always listens because of Jesus. That is why we pray in Jesus' name. And so I want to say to you, pray because of Jesus. Pray because we're united to Jesus. And to pray because Jesus is always praying for us. Do you realize that some of the realities that we just sang this morning and that Dan read to us this morning, Jesus is interceding for all his children all of God's children. He is at the right hand of the Father, and it says here, He always lives to make intercession for us. Therefore, He is able to save everyone who draws near to God through Jesus. He saves us to the uttermost, saves us completely. Why? Because Jesus is that high priest And he intercedes for us. That that is worthy of our meditation. That is worthy of your pondering, for your digging into. Okay, I want to end this sermon by saying, how should you pray? How should you give yourself to prayer? I, I wrote down a bunch of pairs. So here here's how you should pray. Let me just commend these to you. Pray privately or personally and corporately. That's the first thing. So give yourself to prayer by praying privately. Jesus says that when you pray, notice he didn't say if you pray. He's assuming if you're God's child, you're going to pray. It's not a matter of if, it's when. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. They love to stand and make themselves look good. Truly I say to you, they, anybody that praises them, that's all the reward they're going to get. But when you pray, go into your room or into your closet and shut the door and pray to your father who's in secret and your father will reward you. We are to pray privately. Those that pray, we must pray on our own. We, wish, we must seek the Lord one-on-one by ourselves with, preferably with this book, it can happen in a car, it can happen in bed, it can happen and should happen if you're giving yourself to prayer all of the time. And then I'm going to say, pray corporately. That's what we do when we gather on Sunday morning. That's what we do when we gather on Wednesday night. That is what we should do when we gather in our life groups. We pray together. Notice what the Lord's Prayer says. It didn't say, my Father in heaven. It says what? Our Father our Father. When we, get, gather, when we gather, we should regularly as a family say, hey, let's pray. Maybe you should do that with someone else. Hey, let's pray real quick. We need help. Yeah, let, let's do that. I look back in my life and God was so gracious in bringing different influences in my life. And as I was reflecting, when I was probably 15 or 16, living near a Christian camp, I and Scott Dunford, that's Mike's older brother, who is my age, and Matthew Vaughn, and a few of the teenage girls our age, we would gather about 7.30 summer mornings near a fire pit near the beach before we'd go out to work at 8, and we gathered together, and we read a verse or two from the Psalms, and we prayed. We prayed for revival. We prayed for God to do a work. I just, I look back and I go, really? We did that? And 
And I just look back and go, that was God's mercy. Teenagers, would you just learn to pray together? Say, hey, let's just pray for this right now. You struggling with that? Let's pray for it. Let's pray that God will do a work in our youth group. Let's pray that God would build true community and fight sin together and fight the world together and be true spiritual leaders, you older teenagers, to the younger teenagers. And you welcome the, the new batch of youngins that are coming in at the end of the summer who are coming into the youth group. Let's pray for them and let's pray for all that are in my small group. Would you do that? Would you pray corporately? We pray when we sing. We do. We, we remind ourselves of our need to pray. Like when we said, I must tell Jesus all of my sorrows, all my troubles. I can't bear it alone. What were we doing? We, we were saying and singing to each other. Colossians 3 tells us to do this. We were saying, let's remind ourselves, we need to tell Jesus everything. We sing it to each other and we pray to each other. We pray to God together when we sing. We do that on Wednesday nights. Wednesday nights, the second half of the evening, we pray on behalf and for the church. I think it's one of the most important things. 150 years ago, the greatest church probably in the world, at least the most famous and the most rich, spiritually vibrant church was in London, England in, from about 18. 50 to 1890, the Metropolitan Tabernacle. Towards the end of that era, people would come because they wanted to visit that church, and one old man would walk him through the halls right before the service, and he walked him down the stairs, down the basement, and he opened this door to a hall, and he looked in, and to his surprise, there was about 700 people in that room, bowed heads, crying out to God, and he said, that's the boiler room of our church. That is where God does his work. He uses the prayers of his people. That man was Charles Spurgeon who was giving a tour. He was the pastor of that church. He said, the reason God uses our ministry is because my people pray for me. And God works through prayer and we pray privately and we pray corporately. We should pray in our homes. Fathers, you should pray with your children. Mothers, with your children. Spouses, with each other. Another pair, we should pray planned and spontaneous. You should plan to pray. Nothing important in our lives done, is done just sponta- with spontaneity, but it includes that often. You need to plan to pray. What did Daniel do in Daniel chapter 6? They wanted to get Daniel. How can we destroy Daniel? Well, we know he prays to his God. He's doing it all the time. He has set times to pray. He's always praying. He must believe in this prayer hearing God. Well, let's ban prayer. And it says in Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, when Daniel knew that a document was signed to ban praying to any other God, what did he do? He went to his house where he had his windows in the upper chamber, opened them towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. And he went to the lion's den. Jesus, they watch him praying and said, Jesus, will you teach me to pray? Jesus planned to pray. He rose early in the morning while it was still dark and he departed and he went out to a desolate place and there he prayed. It says in Luke 11, 1, that Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, his disciples said, teach us to pray, because they saw him 
doing this with plan, discipline. And we should pray with spontaneity. We should pray in our car. We should pray at work. We should pray. And sometimes those prayers are three words. Oh, Lord, help. Wisdom. Mercy. Give me the right word. We were watching Hacksaw Ridge the other night. If you've watched that movie, and the Christian, the protagonist who is a Christian is a medic. He's up on this field not knowing what to do in the midst of the battle. Should I go? Should I retreat? And he stops there and he says, oh, Lord, show me what I should do. And he heard the cries of those desperately in need. And he said, that's God crying, telling me, I got to go help. God tells you there are so many needs, so many burdens, including your own need of him, but so, and everybody else's, if we open our eyes, we need to pray. So, here's another two. Pray specifically and generally. We should pray specifically and generally. We should pray for God to work in a way that we can actually see the answer. Oh God, would you please save individual so-and-so? Not just, will you save the world? Would you please provide for us so that we can pay our bill on time? God, please help me to find my wallet. Please help me to respond rightly at work today because it's been really hard. You can know when you actually responded right and you go, God helped me. I got to tell somebody that was praying for me because I asked them to pray for me. God, please help me to be diligent in my schoolwork this morning. It's really hard. Please help me to get through all of the housework and care for the kids this afternoon with an attitude of gratitude and trust in you and not grumbling and complaining. Lord, please help change my son's heart. Please save my daughter and give her a new heart. And you don't God, work in each of my children, each, each of whoever it is in your life that you're burdened for. Would you save them? Would you make them holy and grow them in the Lord? Would you give them a godly spouse? And we should pray generally. We should pray some big prayers. Oh, God, would you bring revival in our church? God, would you bring, would you bring an evangelistic fervor where we care about the gospel more than anything? Would you make us holy? Those are general would you make us united as a people? Specific would be, would you help those two people that don't get along and they hate each other? Would you bring them together? We should pray specifically and generally. We should, we should take to God our family and our family by name. We should make, we should pray for our church and call out to God. We should pray, here's another pair, persistently and submissively. Some of our sermons in the head of us might come out with some of these, but Luke 11, Luke 18. Look at Luke 11 and Luke 18, not right now, but later, are two parables from Jesus about how we're to pray. We're to pray like a widow who hasn't been given justice by a judge 
but keeps badgering him until he relents and gives her what she is asking for, not because he wants to do what's right, but just to leave so that she'll leave him alone. And God says, you are to pray that persistently. Or you are to pray like a host who received a midnight guest who needs to provide for it, and his neighbor won't even wake up and help you provide, but you keep banging on his door, and just because you won't stop is why he'll come. And he says, so you should pray. God wants us to pray and not lose heart. God wants you to pray with a persistence. Spurgeon said it this way, there are some mercies or miracles or answers to prayer that are answered through persistent prayer. Not just one-time prayer or five times of prayer, There are blessings which, like ripe fruit, drop into your hand the moment you touch them, but there are others that require you to shake the tree again and again until you make it rock with the violence of exercise, for only then will the fruit fall. So God wants us to pray. Oh God, I'm not... God, this morning, for the 10,000th day... I ask that you will save my spouse. And for this day, again, I will ask that you save my son or my neighbor. Lord, this begins year 20 now. Please do a work in this person, and would you truly show that it's you at work in him? We must pray persistently for God to revive us as a people. We pray, and yet I say persistently but submissively. Yet, God, your will be done. God, I'm going to keep praying because it's on my heart, but I surrender and say your timing is always best, and I'm going to continue to pray. I'm not going to give up believing and hoping that you would save my daughter because you put that burden in my heart. I'm not going to stop praying, but I'm going to just surrender you the timing. You are good. I continue to trust you. We should pray This is the last pair, devotedly and dependently. The Lord's Prayer, Lee's going to mention this, I think, next week. The Lord's Prayer is mentioned in in Sermon on the Mount and in Luke chapter 11. And Jesus summarizes, gives an abridged version of the Lord's Prayer when he says, you should pray this way, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, Give give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we ourselves forgive everyone who's indebted to us. I think this model shows us we are to pray, God, hallow your name. Is God, I want, I come to you and I, I devote myself to you. I want to love you. I want to put you first in all of my life. My prayers are not about me. It's about you. It's about your kingdom, your will to be done. But God, I have needs. I'm so dependent. I need you. I need you. I need you. I need you to forgive me. I need you to protect me. Deliver me from evil and the temptation. I need you. You see, the Lord's Prayer teaches us pray with devotion. That means I'm devoted to somebody other than me, God. God's first, not me, not my needs, not my comfort, God. But oh, am I desperately dependent on God. And so my prayer life is, God, I want to love you. I love you. Help me to love you more. And God... Oh, I am so desperately dependent on you. Help me to see that dependence. Help me to live that dependence. Help me, help me, help me. God, I love you. I need you.
please give yourself to prayer. Oh, Father, would you work in our church to give ourselves to prayer? Spirit of God, work. Would you pray, pray and learn? Will you listen to the sermons in the coming weeks with open ears, with minds that want to be instructed to say, yes, I might know these things, but oh, you have something for me to grow in prayer. Pray and come to learn as Elderly Monday comes and is going to encourage us through the, the blessing of answered prayer. God answers prayer. May God motivate us to pray more because of that. And Pastor Jay is going to call us to pray and instruct us on Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and how He, he works in our lives and how it makes life to our prayers. And Pastor Jason Moles is going to direct our hearts to God's Word in prayer and its importance. And Dan Hilliker on how the church together prays, and Pastor Mike on intercession and prayer, are praying for one another. Let us give ourselves to prayer as a way of daily and hourly giving ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't have Him, if you don't have the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior in the way that Richard shared this morning, Oh, I pray you would. Would you call on Him? Would you pray to God and accept what Jesus offers to you? Salvation free. Give yourself to Christ by repenting of your sins and all of your attempts of goodness to make yourself right with God. Call on Him and He will save you. Let's pray. Father, you are so good and gracious. We are going to sing of you now and then testify of in, your, in baptism. Oh God, we praise you and we thank you. Would you help us? Would you help us to give ourselves to prayer? Amen.